Welcome. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, examining the Word of God, following the example of the Book of Acts Church. We discover the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. We do it by digging deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. We take it as it was written, as he meant it. And we regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The Porch is an online community of believers, restoring the priesthood of the believer and being what he wanted us to be. The church age, we believe, is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000. Go to onsolomonsporch.org if you need to connect with us or... You can simply go to Firefall Talk Radio at firefalltalkradio.com. Let us know what you think, what you need. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site. It's the only place you can hear us live, main broadcasting site. We're also heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and back on Blog Talk Radio, increasing our reach, awakening the remnant. If you want to support what we do, there are ways to do that, starting with the PayPal link. The bottom of the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. We're also on the Venmo app. Easier to use, less fees. At Firefall Media Group, one word, uppercase on the F, the M, and the G. We appreciate you. We appreciate your support and your encouragement. Just give as the Lord leads. And thank you to each and every one of you who do support what we do. Anyone not wanting to hear the community part of the porch can jump directly to the chapter marked Shofar and go right into the lesson. So we always start out with praise reports and prayer requests. You know, a while back I talked about stopping it. Then uh, people asked me not to, and it really didn't change a whole lot. But I've decided I'm going to do what I do because I believe the Lord deserves our praise before our prayers. I believe we have to come into His presence with thanksgiving, and I will never preach or teach the Word without doing that. So first of all, I praise Him for the obvious, for my salvation 32 years ago. He restored me to my home, my wife, my families, which I am blessed by. My sons, who are now daughter-in-laws and a grandson. We've had a number of furry kids along the years. We have two right now. I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for everything that he's given me, most of all, his life. I praise him for the protection that he offers us in this fallen world, that no matter what is going on, we can hide under the shadow of his wings. We can count on his word to be good, to be true, to be yea and amen. And we can count on the fact that his angels are there when we need them. Praise Him for the ministry He allows me to work for Him, for the dreams and the visions, for the healing virtues which are still available to each and every one of us. Make sure you claim them. Make sure you pray them. Speak the Word about them. Speak it in faith. I just praise Him that I can praise Him for everything. I had a great time in praise and worship today, and uh, it was so wonderful, and the Spirit was so thick, and, and I just felt so great. I thought I'd be flying on the ceiling, of course, uh, that fan would have thumped me a couple of times. I really need to get seat belts for this chair to hold me down. I praise him for the dreams and the visions and everything that he's shared and shown and uh, everything that he's done and all the divine revelation, the fact that no matter how bad it gets, we can 
Praise him. You're a new creation. I'm a new creation. Praise him. You're living in prophetic times. Praise him. You're living in America. Oh, yeah, there's problems. There's things wrong, but you can worship him freely. Praise him. Praise him for the signs that he's getting ready to return. Don't know when. There was no time code on any of the dreams or visions. I am just prepared. One eye on the job and one eye on the sky. Let's get ready. Let's do everything we need to do for his arrival, and part of that is prayer. I'm going to pray for the Middle East and Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Father, we pray for Jerusalem. We pray for Israel. We pray for your children all around the world. I pray for America and its leaders, the nation, the citizens. No matter how bad it gets, we must stand together. We must pray. We must get on our knees. We must turn our head toward heaven. No matter what the turmoil is, no matter what the ugliness and the evil that we see, we must pray that it be exposed and be dealt with. And I know that there are some things going on and everybody wants something to happen now. But I have resolved myself to the fact that there may, no, there may not be justice in the here and the now, but there will be when they stand before him. Pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, the slaughter of the innocents, the missing and exploited children, victims of the demonic sex trafficking, human trafficking industry, little girls, little boys. It's just horrible. Thankfully, there's stuff being done about it, people being rescued for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered, persecuted for their faith, religious persecution, anti-Semitism, the destruction of, of places of fellowship and worship. He warned us. He said it would be this way. We were warned about the spirit of the Antichrist in 1 John 4, 3. He's getting ready, are we? Pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as each and every one of us get back to our divine design, healing for my wife, healing for each and every one of you that deal with some things, whether it's from this world, from your own uh, actions or ancestry or whatever. It doesn't have to be that way. In the name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, be healed, be whole, be fixed. No more. No more lack. No more pain. Oh, we'll get our glorified bodies one day. Won't that be great? No pain, no nothing. But let's live that life here and now. Pray for de- protection, divine protection, inspiration. Pray for the remnant to wake up, rise up, answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. Pray for them to be a blessing. So many needs and so little provision. I would love it if it still fell from heaven or miraculously appeared in my bank account, our bank account, but that doesn't happen. He uses his children. And some people have been blessed and hoarded the blessing for themselves. Let it flow. Open open the, the pipeline of provision. We can prosper in accordance with his word for the function of the kingdom, to fund the dreams, the visions, the missions, to finish the documentaries, expose the enemy, become highly mobile and effective, go out and shut things down, raise people up, set the captives free, go find the sheep that have wandered off. Pray for divine favor. We've seen some resolution 
in our matters, but they continue to go on. Many of you are dealing with stuff right now. The enemy is on an onslaught. It's a blitzkrieg. Let's stand together. When you pray, pray for everybody affiliated with the porch. Pray pray for people going through persecution and struggles. And, of course, pray for our lost family members, that they would find him before time runs out. Kim in Fort Mitchell said, lots going on over here. feels like the enemy is ramped up again. Something shifted, but I know who saved my soul, and I will be forever grateful for choosing me to be free and forgiven. But I praise you, Father. Thank you for loving me. Praise him for allowing me to grow and for forgiving me when I fall short. Father, I'm asking you to save my mom's soul as well as my brother's. Continue to protect my family, my husband, my dog, Bruno. Praying for the porch community, whatever the need may be. Father, protect and guide us through these days. Praying for financial blessing and for your divine protection over everything you provide. said, help me clean up this mess and get back on track. Praying over my property, Father, weird things I've noticed lately. Praying for this country and every hidden thing to be revealed. Praying for patience, perseverance through these dark times in Jesus' name. Father, encourage us to keep going. I feel so tired sometimes. I love you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. And she signed it, your daughter. There you go, Lord. You knew. She said it. She laid it out there. We've touched and we've agreed. So let's let's believe that it happens. Father, we love you. With all our heart, all our mind, our soul, our spirit, all our strength, everything that is in us, we love you. And we endeavor to love our neighbor as ourselves. We love you, Lord. We need you. We need your arms around us. We need to feel you close, smell the incense of the throne room. We pray right now, Lord. First of all, we thank you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for what you endured and what you went through for us. It wasn't for you. You didn't need it. We did. Thank you for sending back the Holy Spirit the Ruach HaKodesh, to walk with us and encourage us and to cheer us on and to speak word into us and remind us of scriptures and remind us of times that you've rescued us. Thank you for the Spirit, Lord. Anyone right now listening that is not Spirit-filled, that has not had the manifestation of the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit in their life right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Yeshua, from heaven itself into your body, into your innermost being, receive, receive, receive. So, Lord, bless this time, bless the word, bless the technology. Have your way with us, Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So the enemy must not have wanted us to get started on time or get me going, because just as I went to start at the 7 o'clock hour, the program locked up, wouldn't move, wouldn't let me hit. I got out real quick, opened it up, got back in. So if you're not seeing our...
porch logo or any information except for the title. That's why I'll add it later. We're talking about the kingdom. We're not going to get off of it. I think it's the message for 2020. And in 2021, we're going to manifest it. We're going to do what we're talking about. I believe you're changing. I believe many of you are in a transition period. You're in a promotion period. You're in a time that you feel like you're in the wilderness. But what it is, it's the gap between where you are to where you're going. Stoke the fire. Feed it. Eat the word. Get it into you. If you have to listen to these more than once, do so. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That's what it says, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And then I took it and I put it into everyday uh, verbiage. It's not a paraphrase. It just takes the word, lays it out in a more something you can just... uh, uh, pop off your head. If you'd like me to share it with you, let me know. I'll post it or I'll send it to you. But basically you're saying, Abba Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come and rule on earth as it does in heaven. Give us our daily bread like the manna in the wilderness and the living bread of Yeshua. Forgive us as we forgive others and let go of debts and any resentment we have against others. Lead us away from the snares and temptations of the evil one's kingdom. For yours is the kingdom we seek and its power and glory forever. That's what we want. We want the kingdom of God. We want it in our life. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world system. It's under the control of of Hasatan and the fallen and they're blinded. But we're not. Our eyes are opened. We've been redeemed. But we need to get kingdom thinking. We need to retrain how we think and what we do. Philippians 4, starting in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue... And if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. That's where my mind has been. This is the scripture I keep hearing. But he starts out verse 8 with the word finally, which could be rendered in connection. What is it connected to? Well, primarily, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Everything, in every circumstance, in every situation, the answer is prayer, petition with thanksgiving, and a specific request to God. If you're anxious, if there's anxiety in your mind, that Greek word for anxious, merimneo, 
It's to be anxious about. It's, you're distracted towards something or someone. Right now, Americans are distracted by the scandemic pandemic. I'm sorry, I keep calling it that. It's real. It's not what they say it is, and they've used it to their advantage. Some people have bought into the lie. They've allowed it to take over their hearts and their minds. And, the, and Americans are overdosing on anxiety drugs in record numbers this year. Big farmers getting richer and keeping, keeping busy. But in order to keep God's peace, we must occupy our minds with the right things. And we must keep busy with the right activities. Your character and conduct begins in your mind. And your actions are affected by the things that you dwell on in your thoughts. And that's what Paul's cautioning the readers in the church in Philippi, to concentrate on the things that will result not only in right or righteous living, but in God's peace. Whatever is noble, whatever brings an honorable character to you, the media, the industry, entertainment, is trying to take your place, your mind to a place That's not honorable. Trying to make you make decisions that are not honorable. They're telling you it's okay. Whatever it takes. There really is no right or wrong. Just what's right or wrong for you. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. Whatever's pure. That's the Greek word for holy, sacred, immaculate. It's pure, it's, it also means fire. If you've been sanctified by the fire, if you've been made pure, then that's how your mind should think. But we're bombarded on every side with information. I posted something on social media, Instagram, Facebook, if you follow me. It was a meme that said, keep calm, turn it off. And turn it off. Turn off the TV. Turn off the news. Turn off social media. Turn off your phone. Turn off anything that is agitating you or taking you to a place that is not spiritually biblical or what's right for you. But meditate on, deliberate, evaluate, think over and over what's good and pure. Renew your mind so that you don't conform to the evil habits of this world. You know, it, it's amazing that in 10 plus years of doing this, the, the Bible stays the, the stays the same. No, you know, nobody's adding to it, taking away. At least I'm not. And it's the same tapestry. It's the tam- same material. It's the same thread that brings it all together. But it's amazing how it just ties together and it keeps coming back and it's like living. Well, we know it's living. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's him. He is the word. He's alive. His word is alive. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself, set apart as a living sacrifice holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, 
but be transformed, progressively changed as you mature spiritually by what? By the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? By focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what is what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan, his purpose for you. Every time you watch things that are of this world that do not edify, encourage, or inspire you, you're being conformed to the world. Instead, you should be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God for you. It's his purpose for you. It's his guidance or direction in all of your life's decisions. People, you know, people do something and it doesn't go well. And I say, did you pray about it? Well, no, it just felt right. Wrong answer. Eh, thank you for playing. Pick up your gifts on the way out. Uh, Did you pray about it? Did you ask somebody who you know hears from the Lord, would you pray about this and tell me what you get? Did you seek a confirmation Or did you seek his permissive will instead of his perfect will? We know how that turned out for Abraham and Sarah and the rest of Israel and the whole world. Your dedication to him in your thoughts and everything is an act of surrender or submission to his will for your lives, for all of our lives, by becoming a living Sacrifice, that means something has to die, and it's us. It's our personal desires. It's our point of view. And that daily dependence, remember, we live day to day, transformed from glory to glory, prayed for our daily bread. That daily dependence on God results in our transformation into the reflective image, into the actual image of Messiah, And when we seek to discern the will of the Father, we must then be committed to doing the will of God that is revealed to us and confirmed by the Word. So as a believer, you should evaluate every decision based upon biblical principles, knowing that obedience brings God's blessings. Do not be conformed. Do not be molded. Do not be changed into thinking with the the thoughts of this world, the value systems, the conduct. And that phrase, do not be conformed, is only used there in Romans 12 and in 1 Peter 1.14, where it says, living as obedient children of God, do not be conformed to the evil desires which governed you in ignorance before you knew the requirements and transforming power of the good news regarding salvation. And the world is literally the age of this godless system. We're not to accept it. We're not to condone it. We're not to go along with it. We're not to accept the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, whose God we know is Hasatan, Satan, ruled by the fallen, serviced by their demonic offspring. We shouldn't be like the world. 
We should understand that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of those that do not believe, and he has prevented them from seeing the glorious illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, the image of God. But I see it in in fellowships. I see it in what goes on on the stages. I see what is called Christian music. There may be Christians doing it, but a lot of the music I hear has nothing to do with the edification of the heart, soul, and mind. It isn't the word. It isn't changing anything. It's entertaining the church so that they don't go to the world for their entertainment. No, we should be transformed. Our minds should be renewed. We should be committed to the ideals of the kingdom of God. We should prove it, test it, practice it, acquire his will, and in doing so, what we're doing will be good, acceptable, and perfect. That transformed in the Greek means metamorphosis, the process that leads to an outward permanent change. If you're still doing the same things over and over, still getting the same results, then you've not been transformed in areas of your life. There are areas of your life you have not let go of. You've not allowed him to to say to you, you've not listened to him say to you, this isn't my best for you. This isn't what I want for you. Free will has allowed you to choose it. Free will has allowed you to do it to yourself. But it's not his best view. Absolute surrender is the starting point of the life, the successful life of a believer. Folks, I'm not going to cut you any slack. Never have, never will. God calls us to a 100% commitment. We should have dedication, obligation to God, offering Ourselves to him as living sacrifices, surrendering to him into a life of separation from the world. Now, I'm not saying go off into the mountains and, and you know, join a, become a monk. I'm not saying, what I'm saying is live your life, be in this world, but not of this world. Be set apart, be holy, be transformed by him. Serve him in full agreement with his will, whatever it is, in agreement with his way, in agreement with his kingdom. Well, where do we find that? We find it in the word. His will for us in this matter, and this is where the focus of the rest of this is going to go, is to be a living witness to him in the world. That's the primary call. It didn't call us to build buildings. didn't call us to have programs. didn't call us to do any of the things that people seem to think is what the church is supposed to do. No. He called us to be living witnesses to a world, to change them, to save them, to show them the way to salvation. And the key to it is the Holy Spirit in you. Now you have to remember the disciples did not have it as easy as we do living in a much more dangerous environment. They didn't have Bibles. They didn't have programs. They didn't have anything to help them. They had to absorb it. They had to study it. They had to live it. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. All right, there. Wait, wait, 
Did you say sheep? Us in the midst of wolves? Uh, uh, okay. I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of, the, of your Father who speaks in you. Now, of course, this is a situation of persecution and martyrdom. But that same Holy Spirit's always available to us. The big warning of Matthew 24 and Mark 13, that's what I'm going to read you about the end times. Just take heed that no one deceives you. Sorry, Lord, we, we, we kind of missed that one already. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, Famines and troubles, and these are the beginnings of the sorrows. Watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils. You'll be beaten in the synagogues. You'll be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate on what you should speak. But whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that. For it's not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. To do that, you must be submitted. To have that available to you, first of all, you must be born again, must be spirit-filled, and you must have given yourself, you've submitted to him, so that the Holy Spirit can use you. He doesn't overcome your will. He doesn't forcibly take you over, but to those who give up control, he'll take it. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit he promised to his disciples for evangelism as a testimony of the gospel. And our primary concern should be focused on perception as opposed to deception. See, the disciples are warned, and I believe he's warning all of us, especially in this time, not to be deceived by false messiahs, nor false teachers, nor wars, or, or, or troublous times. And when I believe he says, I am he, they'll come in my name and say, am I? I believe that there are people, he's warning us about people that will come and talk about him, saying he is the messiah, but they won't be from him. They don't call him Lord. They're demonically deceived and they're demonically inspired and they're meant to get you to wander off and follow them into danger and destruction, false teachers who lead people astray. And he said there would be many of these false teachers in the end times. So I'm going to admonish you to ask the Lord to guard your heart and your mind against error. I say some controversial things. I've lived a controversial um, life. But I can guarantee you anything I've done in the Lord's name for the kingdom of God, I can make it line up with the word. 
The scriptures are vital to your kingdom thinking. They play an important role in protecting us. Knowing what is true, first of all, helps you to understand what is false. And after a decade of doing this, many of you are still like little birds in a nest, opening your mouth, saying, Richard, feed me regurgitated word. I don't want to spend the time to study. I don't want to have to look it up. I don't want to do what you do. What you do seems really good, so I'll take yours. I'm not here to do that for you. I'm here to inspire you, to grow you, to get to the place where you're functional, victorious, kingdom dwellers, furthering the kingdom, setting the captives free, and doing what he called you to do. So I'm asking you to start feeding on the word. Take what I teach. Now, I, I know I've had people say, wow, you, you, know, you do so much, I have to listen. I was trained by somebody that laid out a, a, a buffet of knowledge and information and word. That's how I was trained. That's how I see it. If I'm going to feed you, I'm going to lay out a feast, a feast of the word, a feast of, of prophecy, and, of course, a feast of him. I'm not telling you you have to do that. I'm telling you at least start studying on your own. You don't even have to own all the books that I, I had to buy as I got started. There was no internet. There was no software. Now it's out there. BibleGateway.com has all the commentaries of all the things. You, you can join it to have access to it. There are other Bible places that you can study. Commentaries, concordances, uh, teachings, dictionaries, encyclopedias that all explain it. If you are truly hungry, if you really want to change, if you really want to be your best for him, you'll do it. If you want to live the status quo, if you want to just get along and be there at the end and get uh, redeemed and snatched out or whatever it is you're waiting for, the blessed hope or whatever, that's fine. He won't use you. You should want to be used by him. The other thing I'm going to ask you to do is to ask God, ask your father, say, Abba, give me spirit-led opportunities to share your truth, your gospel with someone. Let me offer somebody hope and truth today. And if you do that, the Holy Spirit will give you the right words. Now, that's not an excuse for not preparing or reading or studying, but it's a guarantee of supernatural help in, in times of crisis. Over and over, Luke 12, 11 and 12. Now when they bring you to the synagogues, the magistrates and authorities do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. John fourteen twenty six, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will what? Teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. John sixteen thirteen through 15. However, when he... Who's he, Lord? The Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Now remember, the Lord said, I only say what my Father says. Now he's telling us the Holy Spirit's only going to say what he hears, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take up what is mine and declare it to you. Holy Spirit doesn't glorify anyone else, doesn't glorify a man or a woman or a denomination, a building or a people or a congregation. He glorifies the Lord. 
and he doesn't glorify himself. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said he will take of mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit has a ministry which he does for us, for the Lord, for the kingdom, to guide us into all truth. Not some truth, not partial truth, but all truth. He'll tell you about the future. Now, just because you get a word of prophecy or you see some prophetic thing in a dream or vision, it doesn't make you a prophet. Don't fall for that trap. But it means he's shown you something. And the purpose isn't for you. It isn't to edify yourself. It's to edify someone else, encourage someone else to tell you how to pray. And he will help you glorify Messiah in every word, in every action. When the, whole, when the Helper, Paracletos, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. John fifteen twenty six. Visualize in your mind, if you can't get that. The Lord rises up, sits down at the right hand of God, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which comes from the Father, is connected to the Lord, is sent down to heaven. That Holy Spirit gives you a direct line to the throne room, gives you a direct line to eternity. And he guided the apostles and guides us not only into the truths embodied in Yeshua and life and death, but into the glorious future of all believers. The other thing the Spirit does, and he does it through us, is he convicts the world. That's a legal term. Boy, could we use some of that right now? The world put Jesus on trial. They examined the evidence, and they gave a false ruling. They gave a bad ruling. It didn't matter. It was a setup. They were never going to give any other ruling. But now, here's the other setup. The world stands trial before the Holy Spirit. And by his presence in the church, by his presence in us, his guilt is proven except for the fact that they've been given a plea deal. Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. But the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior and Lord is judged already, has been convicted and sentenced because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son of God, the one who is truly unique, truly one of a kind, the only one that can save him. That's the deal. Accept the cross, accept what he did on the cross, make him Lord and Savior of your life, and there'll be no judgment, there'll be no punishment. Choose otherwise, and you've accepted your own judgment. See, we have a job. You may say, well, I don't have a ministry. I'm not like you, Richard. Yeah, we do. You have a ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians five eighteen and 19. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, 
that God was in Messiah, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What is the word of reconciliation? It's the gospel. It's the good news. It's the name of Yeshua. All this, everything we have is a gift from God. How? Why? Well, he brought us back to himself through Messiah, through the blood, through the the cross. And all he's asked of us is to love him, be obedient, and take on the task of reconciling others to him. See, the Father and the Son reconciled the world to himself, no longer counting their sins against them. And wow, he has given us a wonderful message of reconciliation. Having said all that, how can he do that if our minds are on worldly things? How can he do that if the words coming out of your mouth and heart don't glorify him and further the kingdom? The Spirit unveils to the world the real nature of sin, the truth about righteousness found only in the creator of the universe, God our Father, and the coming judgment. And the clock began to tick. On Calvary, the upper room, Pentecost. We're in those final ticks of the clock. We began the end times then. Everybody keeps looking for the end times. You're in them. And if you're going to do this, hopefully you want to. Hopefully by right about now, you're thinking, all right, tell me how I can do this. I want to do this. I want this Holy Spirit. Well, there's, there's, a, there's an obligation here. John fourteen fifteen through 17. If you love me, keep my commandments. And. If you love me, keep my commandments. And what comes after that? I will pray the Father who will send you that helper, that may he abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Why? They're not born again. It neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father. If you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience with heart, mind, body, soul, and and everything is the only proper evidence of our love for him. Not just a mere profession of love. That's not proof. Love is shown in action. Our love for him leads us to do his will, to love each other, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow him through every evil report, every good report, every every attack, everything that happens, we will keep going because we love him. It was what he tried to show the children of Israel, but they couldn't get it. They didn't have the spirit. They were it was a model. It was he was getting it ready for Messiah, Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind. Remember that the heart and the mind think. With all your heart and mind and with all your soul and with all your strength, your entire being. Deuteronomy ten twelve. 
What does the Lord your God require from you, Israel, but to fear and worship the Lord your God with awe-filled reverence and profound respect, to walk, that is, to live each and every day in all his ways and to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, means your choices, your thoughts, your whole being. Deuteronomy 13, 3, And you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of James, for the Lord your God is testing you to, to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, your entire being. And what does the Lord say in Mark twelve thirty? red letters? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your life, with all your mind, your thought, understanding, and with all your strength. There's no halfway relationship. This isn't a part-time relationship. The spirit of faith, belief, conviction, it, it shows us. It helps us produce the grace of God in our hearts. It's a soul under the influence of the love of the Redeemer. You should know that your Redeemer lives. You should know and love him. If you do, your thoughts will be on him. You won't be seduced by this world. You won't be fooled by this world. And we should consider it a privilege that he wants you to do this for him, that he wants you to share your testimony of the truth and the value of that relationship with him and to stand up as advocates of truth in the world. Well, we know in the world we're living in right now, truth is, is a hate crime. They don't want to hear truth. Well, I'm sorry. That's all I can tell you. Jesus is the way. He's the only way to the Father. There's no other name in heaven and earth by which a man might be saved. And we may be attacked, reviled. But we should remember, as all of our brothers and sisters that have gone before us, that it is an honor to speak in defense of him. We'll be persecuted, we'll be reviled, then they're done that. But it's a privilege to be permitted in any way to show our fellow brothers and sisters, men and women, that there is no such thing as hope except the cherished hope of him, the cherished hope of heaven, the cherished hope of, of paradise, this isn't the place you want to be. There's no paradise here. There's nothing that compares to heaven. There's nothing that compares to being where he is. Do you love him? What do you think? Do you love him? What do you think? Do you, do you love your neighbor as yourself? Finally, believers, we ask and admonish you and Adonai Yeshua that you follow the instruction that you've received from us about how you ought to walk and please God. Just as you're actually doing and that you excel even more and more, pursuing a life of purpose and living in a way that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation, 1 Thessalonians 4.1. It's always been there. Everything I'm showing you about the kingdom, it's always been there. It's, been, it's in the Old Testament, too, Psalm 119, 46. I will speak of your testimonies before kings and will not be ashamed. You need an example? 
Go to Acts 4. Peter and John have been arrested for healing the lame man at the beautiful gate. They're addressing the Sanhedrin, starting with verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were the the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set their minds, set them in the midst, rather, they asked them, By what power or by what name have you done this? Meaning making the lame man walk. Man who had been lame since birth. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he's been made well, then let it be made known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, nails it. There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven that has been given among people by which we must be saved. For God has provided the world no alternative for salvation. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, boldness, clarity. What does he deliver? The message of the cross. That wasn't what they asked him. They wanted to know, by what power or what name have you done this? And he lets them know. They could have done so many things to him at that moment, but they didn't. You want to know why? Because too many people witnessed the miracle. He was given the opportunity to tell the truth, and he did it. Why? Because Peter was what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to change the way you think, to open yourself up to God's presence, to ask your Heavenly Father to speak to you, and to reveal himself through his word. I stumbled on this story. A man named John Broadus, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary from 1988, 1888, I'm sorry, from 1888 to 1895. And he used to share a story about how he had led a mentally challenged boy to the Lord. And from every time... From that point on, every time the the young boy saw him, the boy would say, Howdy, John. Thank you, John. I never forget you, John. And Broadus said that he thinks that in heaven the first person that will greet him will be this boy, but with a clear mind, saying, Howdy, John. Thank you, John. I never forgot you, John. Will you have anyone in heaven who can say that? Will you have anyone in paradise that will see you and say, Thank you for telling me about Jesus? 
If you say no, I'm going to tell you it's not too late. You can ask your Heavenly Father to give you a burden for the lost. You can ask Him to open your heart, your mind, your soul, and your spirit to give you a burden for those that will spend eternity separated from Him. You can ask Him to change whatever is in you that keeps you from doing that, that keeps you from living the life you're called to live, that keeps you from being a living witness. You can do that. The Holy Spirit will help you. God's Word will prepare you. We're here to encourage you and cheer you on. So getting back to where we started about kingdom thinking, let's go right back to that scripture. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. That way you can be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So I'm asking you to request that he open the doors and the opportunity for you to share the gospel. Open the doors and the opportunity for you to live it out, for you to walk the walk, talk the talk, to change the way you think, to have your mind transformed, your heart transformed, maybe have your will transformed. Let go of some of the things that keep you from doing what he's called you to do. Now, there's no condemnation if you don't. But you should want to. If you really love him, you should want to. So I have a question for you. After everything I've said over the last 50-some-odd minutes, what's on your mind? What is on your mind? Hopefully it's kingdom thinking. Father, I come to you now and I pray that you take this word. I pray that you drive it deep, deep into their heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. I pray that you set them free of the things that keep them from living your will, doing your will, having a kingdom life. I pray that you set them free from all the chains and bondages and the wounds of the past which still linger the bad decisions. Forgive us, Lord. We've made so many of them. But right now, right here and now, we commit our mind, our heart, our soul to you. We commit our life to you. We commit ourselves to the kingdom for this time to get people saved, healed, and delivered, to to be a living witness of the gospel, to change the world one last time before the return of the king, to shake it all the way down to its foundations, to raise the dead, uh, to heal the sick, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, to bring the signs of the Messiah back into this world, out of the books and into the reality, bring it out of the, the hidden places and the sanctuaries, if it ever was or is or As ever happened, let's bring it out into the streets. Let's bring it out into the world that a word spoken to somebody could set them free. 
Lord, we're seeing people take your praise and your worship of you into the streets, into the cities, out into the opens. The enemy thought he did a good thing by shutting down the buildings in which we worshiped and fellowshiped. All he did was like bees to pollen, like Paul did when he persecuted the church. He pushed it out into the world. It was the very thing he should not have wanted to do. But he did it. He's not real bright in that regard. But we are, because we have your mind, the mind of Messiah. And we cast down every vain imagination, every preconceived notion, every false teaching, anything and everything that exalts itself above your knowledge. Change us, Lord. Change us. Even change me, Lord. I'm just, I'm in process. I'm always in process. Transformed from glory to glory, day to day, moment to moment with you. Set us free. Turn us loose. Let us set this world on fire. Lord, as you're ministering to your children, I pray that you'd speak to them. I pray that they'd hear you say, I love you. I pray that their hearts would be open. I pray that families would be restored, relationships restored. I pray that the sheep that have wandered off would find their way home. We call the prodigal child home. I pray that those that have been caught up in false teachings and demonic deception, I pray right now by the fire of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the living word, the name of Yeshua, find them wherever they are, Lord, like a heat-seeking missile, and set them free, set the darkness off of them, shatter the things that they think are of you, take it away. Let there be no condemnation or fear or, or any reprisals. Let them suddenly breathe freely in the Spirit. I pray all these things, Lord, in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall. Talk Radio.